And if he smite him with an instrument of iron, so that he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. That's what Scripture says, and that's what faces the man in our story. Let's get to it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast, where we share the gospel of Jesus Christ through the art form of audio drama. Yes, and that includes sound effects. We do this by using true life stories of real people. I'm Timothy Gregory, and I've got a question for you. How should we view the death penalty? Well, the Bible says in Genesis 9, 6, Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So God would support capital punishment in some cases. Got another question. What if you are the one on death row? Where do you look for hope? To whom do you look for hope? Is there hope? We're going to look into that on this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. Surely you've heard the phrase, how did I get here? You may have even said it. And what if you thought you were doing everything right? But still, life serves you up a big old dirt sandwich. It could knock the hope right out of you. And a man like that, with no hope, nothing to live for, is a dangerous man. The kind of man that would shed another man's blood and watch his soul leave his body, like the kind of man in this week's episode. So, let's get to it, folks, the true story of Jimmy McPhee. My arms and legs are shackled, heavy chains, I shuffle down the long row of cells called death row. I glance at the guards on either side of me. The hands that grasp my arms are vices. The cold faces that stare ahead are stone. I'm deep inside this prison. With each door slam, my soul sinks deeper into itself. And now I'm home. The guards remove the chains from my hands and feet. In a moment, they're gone. Welcome home. A tiny sink and toilet in the corner. A bed takes up the rest of this small space. I stand in the dim glow of a single yellow light bulb. Graffiti covers the cold concrete walls. My stomach churns. My heart bleeds in tears. Someday in the future, there will be an execution. Mine. I'm 20 years old. I can still hear the last words of the judge echoing in my heart. May God have mercy on your soul. You're about to meet a man who started on the honor roll at his school and ended up a murderer on death row. Can a man consumed by hatred ever love? We'll find out in this true story of Jimmy McPhee right now on Unshackled. As a youngster, I learned to channel pain into anger. And now, as I sat on my bed in my grimy prison cell, I declared war. It was me against the world, and I would fight to the end, whatever the end was. 
The next day, this little Japanese man came to my cell door. He was in his 50s, 5'5", five five, 140 pounds. As he walked, he was stooped over. He was a volunteer in the prison library. He had a stack of books, and I liked to read. He looked me in the eye, into my soul. My name is Frankie-san. Jimmy McPhee. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've never had anyone actually bow when they met me. <laughs> it is a sign of honor. Honor? I love you. Excuse me? I love you. And Jesus loves you. Okay. <laughs> he does not care what crimes you have committed. He will forgive you if you let him. Uh, what, what books do you have? Oh, many. Choose. Man's Search for Meaning. Victor E. Frankel. Oh, good book. Jewish Man and Holocaust. Prison Camp. Thanks. Remember what I tell you. It was nice to meet you, Frankie. It is honor to meet you, Jimmy. An honor. <laughs> honor. As a school kid growing up in New Hampshire, I studied hard and actually got straight A's. The royal flush of junior high academia. And all I wanted was milk and cookies. Other kids, when they came home from school, their moms would fix them milk and cookies. My home, well, my home was different. Jimmy, well, what are you doing home so early? It's 4 o'clock. School's over. Is that right? Dad, I got something to show you. Later, Jimmy. But it's... I said later. Got it? Uh, yes, sir. I need... I think I'm going to pass out. Dad? Got dinner in the oven. Dad? Uh, leftovers. It just... Uh, Dad! He was a good man, mostly, but a hard man. He worked hard, lived hard, drank hard, womanized hard, gambled hard. I had three stepmothers before I was 12. He was married six times in all. Jimmy, hurry, are you gonna be late for school? Uh, did you see my report card? Report card? I left it right there on the kitchen table last night. You need to sign it. Got a lot on my mind, son. Did you see it? Yeah, I see it, I'm not blind. <sighs> there, I signed it, okay? Now hurry up or you'll be late. Yes, sir. I found out later my mom lived less than 100 miles away. She never sent me a Christmas card or a birthday card. No visits, no phone calls. Instead, she sent me a clear message. I wasn't worth the trouble. I escaped my ugly world by diving into schoolwork and sports. I was successful at both. I kept up my grades and I became a two-sport athlete. I had a good arm for baseball. When it came to football, I was one of the fastest guys on the field. At the age of 14, I got a job at a full-service gas station, the kind where the attendant pumps your gas for you. The gas station opened up a new world for me, a world of cars and girls. Around that time, I met Tommy, a guy in his early 20s who treated me like his younger brother. He knew about my home life. He was looking out for me and he drove a Chevy Chevelle Super Sport. Bucket seats, four on the floor. <laughs> so, how was that? <laughs> that was far out, man. 
<laughs> Thanks for the ride, Tommy. Yes, your thing. Hey, but I, I, I need to get to school now. Jimmy, look at me. Yeah? You don't have to go to school today. I, I don't? You have my full permission to take a day off, my friend. You deserve it. I, I'm not sure if... I... Let's pick up some beers. Chill a little. I have a report due today, and... I... I, 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 but let's pick up some beers and some girls... Drive on! <laughs> now you're talking! <laughs> <laughs> Tommy introduced me to drugs, to parties, to a new lifestyle. I grew up too fast. Jimmy. Yes, sir? I want to show you something. This. A ring? 18 karat gold. That's a real diamond chip right there. I bought this the year you were born. It's yours now. Mine? <laughs> really? Put it on your finger. Uh, your fingers are a lot bigger than mine, but it'll fit on my index finger for now. You'll grow into it. But why? I see the path you're heading on, son, and I want you to do something for me. Every time you look at that ring, I want you to remember what I'm telling you right now. Don't become the man I am. Hey. Ever. Got it? Yes, sir. You get the TV, I'll get the stereo. Got it? Got it. My life unraveled quickly. My goal was no longer grades or sports. My goal in life was to get the next high. We moved to South Carolina. You'd think a change of place would be a change of pace. It was. Everything accelerated. Fast drugs, fast money, fast girls, until... One year in prison for heroin possession at the age of 19. Hey kid, this ain't no playground. You're surrounded by scum, the worst. Guys who can take your life like that. I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah, none of us do. This isn't a place fit for humans. That's why no one here is really human. I, I need to eat. Everything's different now, kid. Things like a toothbrush, shampoo, or treasures. Even that breakfast you got in front of you. Keep alert. They're gonna lean on a young guy like you. And if you don't fight back, you become prey. Today it's your food. Tomorrow, it's your manhood. So just keep an eye. What? What is it? Watch your back. Hey, you little weasel. Me? Me? Is that your breakfast? Yeah. Not no more. You're eating my breakfast. Back off. Don't you dare mess with me. I said back off. Hey, Hulk, lay off the kid. My time in prison wound me up even tighter. I became more bitter, more angry. A deep-rooted, growing hatred gripped its tentacles around my heart and squeezed it hard. I saw the world as unfair to me. And once I got out of prison, it was time to settle the score. What happened next is a blur. A blur I want to forget, even now. It was a robbery. I had a gun, and two men got into an argument with me. It was then that all the injustice and hatred came to a boil. Don't mess with me. Don't you dare mess with me. I said, back off. Back off! I settled the score. The first man crumpled to the ground, 
bleeding badly. The second man's body twisted in horrific pain. I watched life drain out of the first man. I stared as a precious human life fought and struggled for his last breath. And then he became still, much too still. My rage turned to horror. I had to run and run fast. Come on, come on, Jimmy, think, think. I gotta make it across the border. Okay, okay, check traffic. And that's what we've been able to gather so far. Again, police are urging motorists to avoid Interstate 95 between Orangeburg and Dillon County. Police are in pursuit of an alleged killer in a red 1975 Ford Thunderbird. It speeds up to 120 miles an hour. Hmm. Made the news. Chase has spanned 60 miles so far. We'll have more on this story when... They're trying to cut me off. Oh, no, you don't! Oh! Ah! Jimmy. Okay, you're still alive. You're still alive. Whoa. Whoa. Two wrecked cop cars. More on the way. And a, a swamp. A swamp. Well, here goes. I quickly got lost in a tangled marsh of cypress and kudzu. Hours later, I came to a happy realization. <laughs> They can't find me. I came to learn authorities sent out 120 police officers to find one man, me. They pulled all their resources together to hunt me down. Helicopters, planes, dogs, and one weapon I never imagined. Son, Jimmy, don't do this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid if you don't surrender, they're gonna kill you. Please, give yourself up. All right, folks, we'll get back to Jimmy's story in just a moment. But first, I want to share a bit about how our ministry is able to bring hope to people all over the world. Unshackled is now in its 71st year of spreading the good news through powerful stories about real people. Our success is a result of God's blessing and the involvement of, well, supporters like you. When you contribute to Unshackled, it has a direct impact. Your support allows us to hire quality writers, talented actors, as you can hear, a skilled production team, and a devoted staff. Through your support, we're able to share Unshackled worldwide. So, in order to continue the work of spreading the gospel and allowing us to offer this program for free, won't you consider making a donation to Unshackled? It's really quite easy. All you need to do is click on the live link, if there's one where you're listening, or visit our podcast website at unshackledpodcast.org. That's unshackledpodcast.org, and then click the donate button. Or you can always write a check, Unshackled, we take checks, you mail that check to 1458 South Canal Street, Chicago, Illinois, 60607. We thank you for your partnership in our ministry. And now, back to the true story of Jimmy McPhee. I looked down at my ring, but I was in a battle with the world, and I was determined to win. 
I spent two full days hiding out in the swamp. By the end, I was hungry, thirsty, weak. I emerged from the swamp, tried to get a ride, but someone spotted me and told the police. They swooped in, guns drawn. I was trapped. And now I stood before the judge. The charges? Grand theft, assault and battery with intent to kill in the commission of an armed robbery, and murder in the commission of armed robbery while armed with a deadly weapon. James McPhee, you are hereby sentenced to death by execution in the electric chair. May God have mercy on your soul. There was Dad, standing in the front row of the courtroom. He looked like he had aged 20 years. As I looked into his eyes, I felt the guilt, the shame, the remorse. As they took me away, I glanced down at my ring. My second day, as I sat in my cell on death row, Frankie San stood at my cell with books in his hand and a gleam in his eye. I love you, and Jesus loves you. He does not care what crimes you have committed. He will forgive you if you let him. I looked down at my ring finger. Dad's ring was gone. I had sent it to my sister. I had become worse than my dad ever was. Oh, I was polite to Frankie San. He had books, and I loved to read. I see your hate. I see it in your eyes. <laughs> You've got good eyesight. Why do you hate so much? Are you kidding me? It was just a question. The world hated me first. So blood for blood. Tell me. My mother abandoned me before I was two years old. My father had no business being a father, and yet I played by the rules. I did all the right things. And what did I get for that? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I turned against the world, did things my own way, my own rules. And where did this poor decision take you? <laughs> for a small man, you have a big mouth. Maybe, but I also have a big heart. For God, for you. Me? Well, if you could ever talk to my mom, I'm sure she'd tell you I'm a waste of time. No. Jesus loves you. Jesus will forgive you if you let him. Yeah, yeah. The book, Man's Search for Meaning. He say, Nazi gods may control, may kill. But one thing they cannot take away, one thing they cannot control, your choice to respond, good or bad. You have choice, Jimmy. Oh, I have one more book for you. Oh? This. Oh, a Bible, of course. It is not just book. You got a key in there for me? I do. What? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Inside, I was thinking, if God was real, what good had he ever done for me? Blaming is a common occurrence in the prison mindset. I thought, well, he left me rejected, unloved, abandoned. So I reject him. Three years later, the court resentenced me to life imprisonment with the possibility of parole. 
I didn't see it as God's grace. I saw it as a lucky break with an asterisk. There was no chance I would ever make parole. I tried. I appeared before the parole board 18 times. I was rejected every single time, again and again. The hatred and blame grew deeper, stronger, more determined. It was me against the world. And I would fight, fight the world to the very end. I was now 40 years old. 20 years in prison made me more hateful than ever. Hey, Mickey, I think you forgot something. Like? Like the money you owe me? You enjoyed the weed, didn't you? I don't owe you nothing. Don't mess with me, huh? You better pay up, or else. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, maybe this will remind you. You got a knife? No, no. Now you got a knife. <laughs> McFee, stay out of this. I'm warning you. McFee, stop. Put the knife down. Put it down. I said, don't mess with me. <laughs> Nobody messes with me. You hear me? Nobody. They locked me away. Solitary confinement for the remainder of my years in prison. With each door slam, my soul sank deeper into itself. Nine doors deep. Here in the silence, I finally faced someone I had been avoiding all these years. Myself. Jimmy, what have you done? What have you done? You're 40 years old. You spent 20 years of your life in prison, and what do you got to show for it? Nothing but pain and devastation. I thought back to my first full day here, 20 years before. I remembered Frankie Son. I wrote a letter to him. Dear Mr. Son, I'm tired of my life. I desperately want something different. But I don't know what. And he wrote me back. I love you, Jimmy. And Jesus loves you. He does not care what crimes you have committed. He will forgive you if you let him. The same words he spoke to me 20 years ago. Except this time, I was listening. Give Jesus all your pain, all your anger, all your bitterness, and he will bring healing to you. All I ever wanted was milk and cookies. Someone, someone to love me. Suddenly it occurred to me, God loved me. And I had to let him. I had to repent and let him forgive me. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Jesus, there's a wall between you and me. But... I want you, I, I want you to break down that wall. I've destroyed my life, but take whatever I have left. I confess my sins before you. Forgive me for all the pain I've caused. Forgive me. Jesus, be my Lord and set me free. As I sat on that cold stone bed, the tears began to flow. It was like a shower washing over me, cleansing me of all my guilt 
for taking a precious life, releasing all my anger, all my hatred consumed by his love. In the depths of solitary confinement, Jesus set me free. He broke my chains of anger, addiction, selfishness, and hate. For the first time, I felt peace in my soul, and I heard the voice I had longed for all my life. Jesus, you, you love me. And in that moment, I knew. Right there in solitary, I would never be alone again. I began to read the Bible, devour it. The truth spoke to me. Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. I studied the Bible for hours each day, and little by little, my thinking began to change. I'd already spent nine years in solitary, but the next seven of those years I lived as a free man. Finally, I was released into the general prison population, but most everyone agreed I would spend the rest of my life behind bars. So I poured my life into helping others. Tim, you need to get your GED. Study for it. It's like a high school diploma. I don't care about a GED. It's just a piece of paper. It's a key to a door you don't even know exists yet. It's not a destination. It's a step along the way. I know you can do it. Tim, go for it. Nine months later, Tim got his GED. I became a teacher and a mentor to the younger prisoners and gang members like Tim, ones who were just like me. I helped them get their GEDs, taught them writing, taught public speaking. My goal was to show them the love I never got as a child. In 2017, I was chosen as one of only a few inmates to pursue a Bible college education from a university in South Carolina. They trained me to be a missionary and peacemaker to the most dangerous prison yards in that state. Imagine that. God transformed me, a violent, hate-filled murderer, into a peacemaker. On March 18, 2020, I approached the parole board for the 18th time. Give me one takeaway from what you've learned. Sir, I've learned I am responsible for my choices and for the consequences. And if I may, I have two more. Go ahead. I am responsible to my family and to the community where I dwell. And I am responsible to God. I want to be a difference maker, to walk out God's plan and purpose for my life. I was never ready to leave prison until I was ready to stay, now that I know what freedom truly is. All right, Mr. McPhee. Step outside, please, while we make a decision. Mr. McPhee. Yes? Mr. McPhee, your parole has been granted. <sighs> you can holler if you want to. No, I'm just... I'm just thanking God right now. <laughs> I'm going home! Yes, you are. From death row to abundant life, 
I look down at my ring, the one my dad gave me, and I realize all along he was trying to show me love in the best way he knew how. I look up to my Heavenly Father and I realize all along he was trying to show me his love as well. I just refused to see it. The justice system said, execute him. The prison system said, isolate him. The parole board said, let him die in prison. But God said, set him free. I think back to the day the judge sentenced me to die, and I realize what the judge said had come true. God had mercy on my soul. And I plan to spend the rest of my life sharing the story of how he did just that. Jesus would support capital punishment in some instances, but Jesus also demonstrated grace when capital punishment was due. The kind of grace that was extended to Jimmy McPhee. Friend, you may not have done anything as serious as Jimmy, but ultimately, every sin we commit carries a death penalty. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Thankfully, God demonstrates his love for us in not condemning us, but giving us a way out of our eternal death sentence. And that way out is the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, if you've been listening to our Unshackled Audio Drama podcast, you know we've been answering questions from listeners. And this is one of our favorite things to do. We love giving you a sneak peek into what we do here and giving you, um, well, basically a tour of our workspace. So if you've got a question, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to answer it as soon as possible right here on one of our audio drama episodes. It can be something you're curious about or just something you want to share with us. All you have to do is write us at podcast at unshackled.org or call and leave us a message at 312-281-1264. We would love to hear from you. And next time, what hope is there for a person who turns their back on everything they believe? You've got some strange ideas, Tom. <laughs> What's strange about them? I'm finally getting the facts instead of a lot of overblown fairy stories. The Bible's not fairy stories. It's real. The need to believe in something is very powerful. A person may declare, I don't believe in anything. But even that statement means he does believe in something. Religion is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. And here comes the best part. It is the opium of the people. <laughs> Man, isn't that fantastic? That claim is most likely a cry of, please show me something in which I can believe. Eternal life? Well, of course it's real. Well, how can you be so sure? You can hear the true story of Thomas on this week's classic episode of Unshackled. Heard in the true story of Jimmy McPhee were Tim Frank, Larry Halliburton, Kurt Nabig, Jack Bronis, and Michael Walner. Original music and audio engineer Don Bador. Sound effects Michael Walner. Recording engineer David Pierczynski. Script John Fornoff. Well, that's it for this week's Unshackled Audio Drama Podcast. So until next time, unless our Lord returns before then, I'm Timothy Gregory, your brother in Christ. <laughs>